Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Last week we had Pastor Dennis and Pastor Angie with us at church. And didn't they do a wonderful job? They blessed us and they, they ministered to us. We had an awesome time of ministry. And I'd been thinking about what Pastor Dennis shared last week about the fear of the Lord. And I want to talk about that today, kind of do part two this morning of what he started to share about last week, because it, it really uh, ministered to me a lot, and uh, I know it ministered to you guys, talking about the fear of the Lord. It's not something that we talk about all the time at church, but it's all over the Bible. So I kind of want to talk about kind of part two of uh, what Pastor Dennis started talking about last week. So let's start in Proverbs 9, in verse 10. In the New King James Version, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, and Pastor Dennis did such a great job, I encourage you to listen to the podcast or watch it back on YouTube or Facebook, because we got live stream now, right? Um. He talked about the fear of the Lord, and we need to understand what the fear of the Lord is and what it isn't, because that will make more sense today as we get into it. The fear of the Lord, uh, Pastor Tim Keller said it like this, it doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It is a sustaining, joyful awe and wonder of who He is. Other definitions of the fear of the Lord in the Bible It does not mean that I'm afraid and I'm scared of God and I'm hiding from God. It means that I have reverential fear. A lot of times in the Amplified Bible, it translates the fear of the Lord as reverential fear. That that I revere God. that, That I love God. That I have a reverence for God because He is God. And He is holy and He is pure. And so there's a there's a reverence I have for God that He's all powerful. And so the fear of the Lord is the reverence we have towards God. The fear of the Lord is also the awe and wonder of God, that God is so wonderful and He is so great and He is so powerful. I have an awe and wonder of God. It's not, it's not this casual or, or just, just this attitude like, oh, yeah, it's God. No, it's, it's God, the God of the universe. The God who created everything cares about me, loves me, created me, died for me. No, this is a big deal. I should have some awe and wonder about God, some reverence towards Him. Also, the fear of the Lord means that we honor and respect God. We have an honor and respect for God. That's that's fearing the Lord is when you have reverence and honor and respect for God. Now, we know this because you have people in your life that you have honor and reverence and respect for. You know how you treat them. You know how you talk to them. Could be a parent, could be a boss, could be a a pastor, could be somebody in your life that you, you really respect. Well, think about that person, but let's think about God. He's on a whole nother level than that. That when, when we fear the Lord, it's not I'm afraid of God. It's not I'm scared of God. It's not I'm hiding from God. It's God... I have awe and reverence for for you, and I honor and respect you. More than any other person, more than any any other thing, God, I have honor and respect for you. Now, 
I realize when we talk about this type of message, and Pastor Dennis mentioned it last week, a lot of churches don't talk like this anymore. They don't. And that's why there's not a lot of the power of God in a lot of churches nowadays. Because we don't talk like this anymore. And it's not to make you scared or afraid of God, but we do need to get honor and reverence and respect for God back in the church. I need a better amen this morning. We need to get honor and respect and reverence for God in our personal life back again. We need to get that and, and stop living so casually and so flippant with our life and, and show God some honor and respect. Maybe we're not seeing God show up the way he says he's going to show up is because we don't have that honor and reverence or respect because the fear of the Lord, which we're going to talk about today, draws God's presence into your life. Man, he, he hangs out with people that fear him. He loves people that fear him. He, he shows up for people that fear him. Now, what, once again, what's fear? It's not afraid. It's not scared. It's, God, I love you, and I respect you, and I honor you. I have a reverence for you in my life. I love this. Um, Charles Spurgeon, who was a great church leader in church history, said this. He who fears God has nothing else to fear. Do you know, and I get it, I watch the news too, sometimes too much. Remember I told you the other week, Morgan said I watch the news too much. <laughs> yeah, my mom, she started this. It's impartation. I don't even like the news, and I turn it on. I'm like, okay, I didn't need to know that. Why do I know this now? But you watch the news too much, and, and what is that producing you? Fear. They, they live off of fear. You, you realize the news stations don't get popular by sharing good news. They don't. By fear, by anxiety, by trying to get you riled up. That's how the news and social media makes money. That sells, sadly. But we're living in a time that there's a lot of fear. But what's the answer? If we fear God, we have nothing else to fear. If you really have a true respect and honor for God and a relationship with God and you really know how big he is and how little all the things that we're going through are, if you really know how big God is and, and how all these temporary things on earth are not even that big a deal in light of eternity, when you fear God, you have no room to fear anything else. You don't. You don't fear the economy. You don't fear Russia and Ukraine. You don't fear Israel and Palestine. You don't fear anything going on. You don't fear COVID. You don't fear any of the challenges we are dealing with in this country and around the world because someone who fears God, Charles Spurgeon said, has nothing else to fear. I mean, if I got God on my side, what, why am I afraid? There's no reason to fear. Psalmist David said that in the Psalms. He said, if I fear God and love God, whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid of? If I got God on my side, what am I scared about? What am I worried about? What am I concerned about? Because if God's got me, then no one else can touch me. He will protect me. He will keep me. He will provide for me. Even the psalmist said, if a thousand fall at my side, I didn't mean to preach like this already, but just let me preach. 
a thousand at my side and ten thousand at my hand, it will not touch me. Why? Because I fear the Lord, and if I fear Him, I have nothing else to fear. Because He's going to protect me and He's going to keep me if I fear the Lord. Not God, I'm afraid of you and scared, but God, I honor you, I reverence you, I respect you in my life. So, I want to share some things that really God spoke to me this week about what the fear of the Lord brings into our life. Why it's so important. So, Pastor Dennis, now this is what you should do with, the, with anybody that preaches. It's great that you come and you listen to the message, but you need to take the message that's preached on Sunday and then start thinking about it throughout the week and start doing your own study. Because that's what I did this week. Pastor Dennis talked about the fear of the Lord, and I was like, I haven't heard a lot of messages about the fear of the Lord. So I just started looking up verses about the fear of the Lord, and I was like, wow, there's a lot of verses in here. And I started meditating it about that message in my own personal time. And guess what? God started speaking to me based off the message from last week. That is what should happen every time we come to church. You should take the message on Sunday or whenever you hear it, and say, God, let me do my own study, and I want to apply this to my life, and God will start speaking to you about the messages you're hearing. So these are just things that God shared with me this week that I want to share with you about the fear of the Lord. That's okay. The first one is, and this is so important, the fear of the Lord gives you wisdom. The fear of the Lord gives you wisdom. Wisdom. Now, we, we understand we live in a world that's very foolish, <laughs> to say the least. So guess what? If you have wisdom, do you realize how much further ahead you will be than the rest of the people around you? If you walk in divine wisdom, I'm talking in your marriage, with your kids, at your job, wherever you go, if you're walking in God's divine wisdom, man, you will... You will be propelled forward. You will succeed. Your life will, will be extraordinary if you have God's wisdom. And not everybody just has wisdom. Here's another thing. Just because you get old doesn't necessarily mean you got wisdom. Y'all know this. There's 80-year-olds still living like they did when they were 18. Just because you got some gray hair and wrinkles because you didn't get Botox does not mean... That you got wisdom. You just got older. But God wants to give us wisdom. So how do we get wisdom? Well, let's go to the book of wisdom in the Bible, which is Proverbs. And what does Solomon say? How do we get wisdom? Okay? You with me? Because the fear of the Lord gives you wisdom. Psalm or Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 9 and verse 10, if we could pull it up. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now let's look at Proverbs 4 in verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom, and all you're getting, get understanding. Now, Solomon, if you know anything about him in the Bible, he was the wisest man who ever lived. Now, he didn't always follow his wisdom. But there was a time in life he did, and that made him the greatest success in life. 
He was the king. He had, he had everything that you could imagine as the king. And he walked in divine wisdom. Solomon in the Bible who, who wrote the book of Proverbs. And we see here that Solomon says wisdom is the principal thing. That's the thing you really want. Now, when, when God asked Solomon what he wanted when he was a younger, more godly man who feared the Lord, he said, I want wisdom. And God gave him wisdom. And that wisdom produced for him the life that he wanted. An extraordinary life, a successful life. And that's really what you want too. Because wisdom is actually the most valuable thing you can have on the earth. Somebody's like, well... Well, I don't want wisdom. I just want a better job. No, you want wisdom. Because to get the job you really want, you need God's wisdom. Well, I want a great relationship. Okay. Well, it's not about getting a relationship. You need the wisdom God has for you. Then you'll have a great relationship. Well, you know, I want more, I want more, more money so I can go on vacation. I can buy the house I want. Well, it's not about getting more money. It's getting God's wisdom because if you get the wisdom, you'll get the money he has for you. Actually, all the things that we want in life is attached to wisdom. If we're going to get it the right way and keep it, we got to use God's wisdom. So how do we get this wisdom? The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Meaning you can't even take the first step into wisdom unless you acknowledge and fear the Lord first. Now you can be educated, you can be smart, you can think you know everything about everything, but unless you start with fearing the Lord, you have no wisdom in your life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Solomon said, in getting everything, make sure you get wisdom. It's the principal thing. It's the main thing. If you don't get anything else in life, get wisdom. Because if you get wisdom, everything else will be added into your life. It's the most valuable thing we can have, wisdom. But how do we get God's wisdom? Not, not earthly, natural wisdom, but godly wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you start in a place of God, I respect you, I honor you, I reverence you, man, you're on the right path to being a wise person in every area. And if you approach God in all the different subjects and, and situations and questions you have in your life, in that posture, you're going to be a wise person. Not saying, God, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Okay. Mr. Full, you go run into a wall and it's going to hurt. Or you could go and approach God. I'm talking about everything because God wants you to approach him about everything. But how do you approach him? In the fear of the Lord. God, I honor you. I respect you. I reverence you. And I know you know better than I know. So God, in my money, how should I? In my relationships, how should I? In my health, what should I do? With my kids, what should I do? Where should I go to church? Where should I be involved? What's my next steps? Where should I go to college? If you approach God with the fear of the Lord, I honor and respect you. That's the beginning of God's wisdom for your life. He'll give you wisdom, but you got to fear the Lord first. You with me? That's why the fear of the Lord is so important because it brings us into wisdom. And if we get wisdom, man, that is the key to everything else. 
that God wants for our life. It's the principal thing Solomon said. But what is wisdom? It's real simple. Godly wisdom is to listen and to do what God says. Real simple. What's the godly wisdom definition? To listen and do what he says. But what does that take? That takes the fear of the Lord to do that. You have to have a level of honor and respect and reverence for God to say, God, I'm going to be quick to listen to what you say, and I'm going to do it. That takes the fear of the Lord. And when we do that, that will produce wisdom in our life. Wisdom can grow from that. We can get wiser and wiser and wiser. No matter what age you are, you could have godly wisdom that will take you to the top of wherever you're at. And I believe that. I believe the church of Jesus Christ, we should be the head and not the tail. We should be above and not beneath. We should be the people running these companies. We should be the CEOs. We should be the the vice presidents. You should be getting promoted wherever you're at. Why? Because you got wisdom. And the world is looking for somebody who's got wisdom. Why? Because those are the people that can answer the questions and solve the problems on their job. Because it's divine wisdom. But how do we get that? The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. God, I honor you and I respect you and I reverence you. So God, what should I do? When I read your word and I hear you speaking to me, I'm going to get wisdom from your word, not from the New York Times, not from Fox News, but from here. That's wisdom. When when you respect and honor someone, you listen to them and do what they say. You know? So you realize when, when God speaks to us, whether that's through his spirit or through his word, and we don't do what he says, and we don't listen, that says, God, I don't fear you. I don't respect you. Now, now most of us would never say that out of your mouth, but your actions are saying that. They are. I can't sugarcoat it for you. That's what you're saying. You're saying, God, I know you said it, but I don't honor and respect you and reverence you enough to actually do it. Right? fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, y'all have kids in here, right? Praise Jesus. I got an 11-year-old daughter who thinks she's 17 at times. And we've had this conversation a lot recently. I need to hear some respect up in this car. Because I ain't hearing no respect. Because dad's been talking and ain't nobody been listening or doing. You know? Y'all with me, parents? Woo! Teenagers and preteens are fun. But you know, if I feel that way, don't you think God feels that way? (laughs) Man, I've been trying to talk to them where they at. I've been trying to tell them to do something. And I'm trying to tell them because it would make their life better. It would help them. I'm trying to help them. I know I'm God. I know what's best for them. And God's saying, can I get some respect up in this car? Where's the fear of the Lord? Because if you honor and respect someone, you listen to them and you do what they say. 
when you go to the doctor and they tell you to do something, you listen to them and do what they say because you respect them. You think, okay, they know better than I am. They got a PhD in this and I don't, so I'm going to do them. We understand this with people. How much more God? You know, if your parents who you respect or a pastor you respect told you to do something, a lot of you would say, okay, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to do it. Why? Because you respect them. How much more God? That's the fear of the Lord. And when we do that, what does it do? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It brings godly wisdom into our life. It's so important. And it's us acknowledging that, God, you know best. You know more than me. God, I'm going to respect you enough to listen and do what you say because you're trying to help me. The fear of the Lord produces godly wisdom. So important. Can I give you a few more? Because i got a few more today. The fear of the Lord gives you wisdom. Second thing is, thinking about the fear of the Lord, it brings protection, provision, and long life. The fear of the Lord, in your Bible, this is what it says it brings. It brings protection, provision, and long life. I've got a lot of scriptures for this, and there's even more, but I didn't have time to get them all written out because there's so many verses about how the fear of the Lord brings protection, provision, and long life. Let me read you a few verses. Proverbs 19 and verse 23. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Proverbs 10 verse 27. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. Those who fear the Lord are secure. And he will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. And it offers escape from the snares of death. Look at this verse, Psalm 34 and verse 7 in the Amplified. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. Notice what that means in the Amplified. With all inspired reverence, worship, with obedience. And he rescues each of them. Now I just gave you a few verses, but there is so many verses like this all throughout your Bible that say the same thing. When we fear the Lord, it will bring protection, provision, and long life. Now I'd say we all want that, right? You would like that for you and for your family. Well, what's the way into it? When we fear the Lord, when we show Him respect and honor and reverence in our life, God has a way of seeing us and He, he knows what we're doing. He knows how we're living. And He says, those people fear me. I'm going to protect them. I'm going to keep them safe. I'm going to send my angels to be around them. It says the angel of the Lord camps around those who fear the Lord. It says I'm going to provide for their needs. Why? Because these people trust me and honor me and they have reverence for me. God is attracted to people who fear Him. And that fear of the Lord, that, that awe and reverence and respect draws God's presence into your life. And it brings protection, provision, and long life, those who fear the Lord. Those who fear the Lord. So important. 
we see that the fear of the Lord also leads to a holy life. Yeah, I got a couple grunts. All right. I'll try that again at the end. The fear of the Lord leads to a holy life. No, no, I know. I got to give I got to give you a second. I haven't even explained myself yet. The fear of the Lord leads to a holy life. Now, let me give you a verse and then we'll talk about it for a second. Cuz these are all benefits of when we fear the Lord, what God does in our life. He gives us wisdom. He brings protection, provision, and long life. But the fear of the Lord leads us to a holy life. 1 Peter 1, 13-16 Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Now, once again... If you honor and respect someone, you do what they say. That's obedience, right? As obedient children, talking about your relationship with God as your father, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. The fear of the Lord leads us to a holy life. Now, when we talk about holiness or what holy is, holy means that you're set apart. Holy means that you're pure. Holy means that you're consecrated, just like God is. Now, let me help you understand this, because what Jesus did on the cross... In his death, burial, and resurrection, he made you holy. He made you righteous. He made you all those things. But he made you holy positionally. Stay with me. That means you, in the sight of God, he made you holy just like he is holy. But also, conditionally, on the earth, we're not always living up to the way we were made in Christ. Y'all with me? Now he made you holy, but you always ain't acting holy. You with me? And that's what he's saying here. God made you holy, then we should act the way that we were made in Christ. God calls you holy, then our actions and our lifestyle should live in that way. Why? Because we want to be like our Father, who is holy. Notice, not to earn anything from God, not to get yourself to heaven, because you're already going, but so that you are living this way on the earth so people can see you and see what God is like. Help me today. Help me today. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy, because he wants you to look like him to other people. In the world around us, trust me, they need to see some people that don't look just like they look. They're not going to come to you when they got all the issues that they have if your life is just as dysfunctional, dirty, messed up, and sinful, and they're trying to get out of that lifestyle, and you're living just like that. You have no reason to help those people. God says, I want you to be holy as I am holy. Live like the way you were made now in me. Pure. 
consecrated, set apart. And when you are holy and you live that way, not only are you a witness to the world, but there's, there's a way that God can flow his power and his presence in through your life because there's nothing there to hinder it. Be ye holy for I am holy. But we won't live holy unless we have a fear of the Lord. Now stay with me because this is about to get really good. The fear of the Lord produces holiness. Now once again, because we don't talk like this in churches a lot nowadays because we're so concerned somebody's going to take it the wrong way and think that we're talking legalistically or judgmentally. Churches avoid this subject. Therefore, most churches and church people are living a very powerless life because there's no purity and holiness in their life. But also, those churches and church people and Christians are filled up with people that look just like the world so the world doesn't want what you have. Are you with me? Because I need a better amen in this church. God doesn't want either of those things for you. He wants you to, first of all, be a witness so your life looks different than everybody else. Not uppity, not arrogant, but you're living differently, and that witness is attracted to people. How many know if people are living dirty and you're living clean, being clean is attractive? It is. They might not always say it, but guess what? When they have an issue, they're coming to you. But also, when you live holy and pure before God, you, you have nothing in your life to hinder God's power and God's flow in your life. Because how many know if you, if you are doing things you know that you should not be doing, your own heart will convict you and you won't be able to fully step out and do what God's called you to do. Why? Because you know you're not right. It's not God condemning you. It's your own heart convicting you. So you can't step out in confidence and do anything for God when you know you're living opposite of the way that he's called you to live. Am I making sense today? You can't. Just like if God told you to pray for somebody at school and you know you were looking at porn last night, trust me, you're not going to have a lot of confidence when you pray for them. You're not. Even though I have no doubt God will still use you and somebody could be healed, you wouldn't have it because your own heart's convicting you that you're not living holy as he is holy. You with me? When, when, you, when you would be at work and you know somebody needs deliverance, and you're like, man, I want to pray for them, but you know you've been getting drunk the past couple nights. You're not going to have a lot of confidence that there's going to be some power there to pray for them. It's not God making you feel that way. It's your own heart that's connected with the Holy Spirit saying, Man, come on, be ye holy, for I am holy. But the fear of the Lord is what produces that. Not afraid, not scared, but God, I honor you and I respect you enough to listen to you, to live differently, to have enough reference in my personal, private life that I won't do certain things. Why? Because I was made better than that. Hear me this morning. Every one of you were made better than the stuff you're messing with. God made you holy. Don't go to unholy things. God made you pure. Don't go to unpure things. God made you right. Don't go to unrighteous things. God made you that way. Those things are so far beneath you. Don't stoop down to get into that stuff. God made you holy. Therefore, be holy as he is holy. 
But if there's no fear of the Lord, it's like, eh, whatever. Do what I want. Trust me, do what I want, there's no fear of the Lord in that statement. That's the way most people live. Do what I want. All right, fool. See where that gets you in life. Do what I want, man. It's not that big a deal, man. Grace of God. The grace of God covers me. I do what I want. It does. But it doesn't empower you to do dumb stuff that you're going to have to be delivered from later on in your life. Y'all, y'all better shout it on that one. That was, that was the best line I said all day. That's live stream worthy. And that's what we do. Sometimes we even use the grace of God. And trust me, the grace of God is so powerful. You can mess up the rest of your life every day and come back to God. And he said, man, you're forgiven. You're set free. My grace is sufficient for you. But grace does not empower us to do dumb stuff that will hurt us. Grace does not empower us to go back into bondage so we have to get delivered every other week in a prayer line. Grace does not do that. Grace empowers us, my goodness, to live a new life. Grace empowers us to live a holy life. Grace empowers us to live beyond that, not because we have to, but because we want to now. Woo! Are you with me today? I feel like Kirk Franklin, I need to say. Are you with me today? The fear of the Lord produces and helps you to live a holy life. Why? Because if you fear the Lord, you're going to be sensitive to the Spirit of God who lives in you now. And if things grieve Him, they'll grieve you. And you'll get to a place because you're so sensitive to the Spirit of God because you fear the Lord. If He's grieved, you say, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't want to drink that anymore. I don't want to smoke that anymore. I don't want to sleep with them anymore. I don't want to put myself in that position anymore. I don't want to have those friends anymore. Why? Not because I'm legalistic, but because I fear God. And God says, you're better than this. You're better than this. I made you holy. I made you right. Therefore, be holy as I am holy. And if it grieves the Spirit of God, He's trying to get you into more life, more peace, more joy. And if I listen to Him, it's because He's trying to help me. He's not trying to restrict me. But when you fear the Lord, there's a sensitivity to your spirit. That you're like, and that grieved me. That didn't feel right. I don't want to do that anymore. Not because I'm afraid of God. God's going to come beat me up. God's going to make me wreck my car. God's going to put cancer on me. No. God doesn't do those things. But I have enough respect and honor for God, I'm going to listen to Him. Because I honor and respect Him. I, I got awe and wonder and reverence towards God. God doesn't do those things to punish people or judge people. He doesn't. Now, we make our own decisions, and sometimes we face the consequences, but it's not God's fault. Man, I'm saying a lot of things in this message. But it's because we don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. So, 
a while back, and, and many of you know who this is, this man is, uh, John Bevere. He's a Christian writer and preacher. And he wrote uh, a book recently called The Awe of God. It's about the fear of God. And uh, he's a very seasoned man, been in the ministry a long time, John Bevere. And Lisa Bevere, his wife, she's a preacher too. Um, and he told this story, and it was the most sobering story. And I'm going to tell it to you. Why? Because we're talking about the fear of God leads to a holy life. In the 80s, you know, there were several well-known ministers on TV that got in trouble. One of those ministers who had a mega ministry that reached millions and millions of people ended up in prison. And he asked John Bevere to come see him. John Bevere didn't know him, but he asked him to come see him. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go see him. I'm gonna, I just want to go talk to him. So he talked to him about just their life. And he asked this minister. Now, this minister used to be one of the biggest televangelists in the world on TV all the time. Huge ministry. And he got in trouble financially for stealing money, doing other stuff. And he ended up in prison. So John Bevere said, well... How did you end up here? Like, how did you get to be in prison? How did this even happen? Like, you were one of the most anointed people worldwide. You had a huge ministry. You could sing. You could preach. You know, money was coming in. You you had healing in your ministry. You had people being delivered. You had all these things going on. And he said, so when did you fall out of love with God? And he said, I didn't. And he's like, no, I don't think you heard what I said. Like, so if you, you started doing things you knew you shouldn't and living unwise and doing sinful things as a minister on that level, when did you stop loving God? He said, I didn't. I love God. I've always loved God. I still love God. He's like, I don't think you heard what I said. Okay. So you used to be one of the most anointed ministers and you ended up in prison. Your ministry ruined, your family ruined, you're never getting that back. You hurt the body of Christ. People don't respect preachers anymore because of people like you. They don't respect church anymore because of people like you. How did you get here? When did you fall out of love with God? He said, I didn't. I've always loved God. He said, you've always loved God? I've always loved God. I've always had a heart for God. He said, well, how did this happen? He said, I got to the place. I loved God, but I didn't fear him. It's not the same. I loved God, but I didn't fear him. I got to a place where, eh, I love you, God, but I'll do what I want. If I steal a little money on the side, it's all right. If I don't handle things right at church, it's okay. If, if I got a side chick on the side, it's, it's all right. I love God, but he said this happened because I got to the place I didn't fear God. What did he do? He lost his respect and honor for God. So just because you come to church... 
Just because you love the Lord. does not mean you fear the Lord. Doesn't. I know the difference. But the fear of the Lord, what will it do? It will produce a holy life. You'll be sensitive to the Spirit of God when He talks to you. See, when you stop fearing the Lord, you, you start overriding when the Holy Spirit says, Stop. Don't do that. Don't go there. When you, when you override that feeling of being grieved... You don't fear God anymore. And that's a dangerous place to be because your life will end up in ruin and destruction because you didn't listen to Him. But when we fear the Lord, we listen to Him. Why? Honor, respect, reverence. God, I hear you. You're right. I'm wrong. So that minister said, I loved God, but I got to the place I didn't fear God. That's how I ended up here. And then he went on and said, and it was God's grace that I had these consequences because now I got my life right. But you know what, guys? We can avoid the consequences. <laughs> we can avoid those tragedies. We could avoid those things happening if we would just fear the Lord in the first place. We would go around those situations. Those situations would be avoided if we feared the Lord because God why I honor and I respect you and I believe your ways are right I'm going to take it a few steps further and then we're I got one more and we'll close you have to get to the place that you live holy and live right because you fear God and that's it now listen to me. I'm a pastor's son. I've been in church my whole life. When I was younger, I lived right because of the fear of my parents. Not the fear of the Lord. Now me and God were cool. I lived right because my mom and dad, I was afraid of. And I knew... They listen to the Holy Ghost, and I'm going to get told on every single time. And it happened every single time. My mom's favorite verse, there's nothing hidden that will not be revealed. There's nothing done in darkness that won't come to light. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, mom. But if you got Holy Ghost-filled parents, the Holy Ghost will tell on you every single time. Why? Because the Holy Ghost cares about you not getting into destruction. So when I was younger in my life, I lived right. Because why? I feared my parents. And then a lot of us go into a different stage of our life where we do what's right because we fear the way other people will see us. Or the fear of how this will affect certain people in my life. And that's not a bad place to be. But we have to take it a step further to, I'm going to do what's right and live holy because I fear God and God alone. We have to get to that place. Why? Because what if no one would ever know about this? Can I press you on this for a second? What if no one would ever know about fill in the blank? 
What if your, your family wouldn't know about it? Your husband or wife wouldn't know about it? Your kids wouldn't know about it? Your church wouldn't know about it? No one would know about this other than you and God. If, if that was the case, if you say you would do it, if it was just between you and God, you don't fear God. And that's where a lot of people are at. You're not doing certain things because you know what it would do to your marriage or what it would do to your kids or what it would do to your church or what it would, the way you would look in the community. And that's not enough. Because there's going to be times in your life that the enemy will give you opportunities where no one else will know about this. No one else will see this. No one will find out. And you think you're free. But if you fear God, you won't do it. Because it's about you and God. I don't, care if it, I don't care if no one ever knew this. Me and God would know this. And I respect you. Respect. Respect you. Because if you say you would do it, and if nobody else found out, you don't respect God then. You don't. You don't honor him. You respect other people more than you respect him because he knows. I know I'm pushing you today, but you need to be challenged. We got to get to this place. That I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm living holy because of the fear of the Lord. I'm living right because of the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to make the right decision in private and in secret and in public and wherever I'm at because God is with me even if no one else finds out. That is fearing the Lord. And guess what? That's who you really are. That's character. That's integrity. It reminds me of this. And, and I'm going to let up in a second. I know you feel conviction right now. It's good for you. The fear of the Lord. It's trying to push you into this place of a holy life because that's the life you really want. That's what God made you to be. And the Spirit of God, through my preaching right now, is trying to help you and encourage you to get there and to live that way. But this reminds me of the story in the Old Testament about Joseph. And he was in Potiphar's house in Egypt, who Potiphar was uh, one of the officials in Egypt, and he was with Potiphar's wife. Joseph was a slave. And it says that Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph, grabbed his clothes, and said, I'm trying to be with you. Trust me, Joseph knew what she was trying to say. Listen, guys are not always the quickest, but they do understand that. <laughs> There's one thing they're going to get, and it's that. They, under, they pick up the signals, grabs his clothes, and said, we're trying to be together. And he's like, okay, wow. You know what Joseph said to Potiphar's wife? We're talking about the fear of the Lord produces a holy life. No one else was there. She said, I won't tell nobody. Just me and you. Joseph said, I can't do this because God will know. No one else will know, but he said, I can't do this because God will know. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the fear of the Lord. He was by himself. No one would have found out. Actually, he could have probably got promoted quicker by sleeping with her in Egypt. But he said, I won't do it because God will know. Any story in the Bible that you could sum up of someone who walked in the fear of the Lord 
leads to holiness, it will be Joseph. Because that's truly the fear of the Lord. I won't do this. Not out of legalism. Not out of bondage. Not out of, I'm, fr- I'm afraid God's going to cause a tragedy in my life if I do this. No. God would know. That's the fear of the Lord. I respect you. I honor you. I reverence you. And if any, even if no one else knows, I'm going to do the right thing. Because I want to be holy like you're holy. That's the fear of the Lord. So let me challenge you with that today. And I got one more point, but I, I'm, I'm hanging on here for a reason because I, I, you need this challenge. All of us need to get here. And I want to tell you, your pastor's here. You should act a little more thankful than that. Okay. <laughs> but I haven't always been here. I just told you that. When I was younger, it was the fear of my parents. When I got a little bit older, it was the fear of what I would look like in everybody else's opinion. But now I'm in a season of my life, it's because it's just me and God. I won't do it because I fear Him. Not because of Morgan. Not because of Natalie. Not because of you guys. I love you guys. But I fear God. Even if you guys would never find out, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. I'm not living that way. Why? Because I fear the Lord. Not afraid of him, I just respect him enough to listen to him. I honor him. I reverence him. And that will lead to a life of holiness. Brother Daryl, could you come play and we'll close. I appreciate you listening to me today. I know I'm challenging you, but you need this challenge. We need to change the way we think about the fear of the Lord. Lastly, the fear of the Lord sets the atmosphere for miracle signs and wonders. On Wednesday night, for first Wednesday, we prayed about this. We prayed Acts 4, which was the early church, and it says that they prayed and they saw miracles and healings and deliverance in the early church. They saw revival take place. And they prayed that God would stretch out His hand to heal. And the miracle signs and wonders would happen. And we prayed that on Wednesday night in our prayer time. But you know, miracle signs and wonders happen in atmospheres. They don't just happen everywhere. They happen in atmospheres. But what kind of an atmosphere brings God's presence where there's miracles and healings and deliverance? It's an atmosphere where people fear the Lord. He shows up where he's honored. He shows up where he's respected. He shows up where he is reverenced. And let me tell you, church, not every church is like that. It's not. Not every believer, their life is like that. It could be. But God isn't showing up in the way that they think he should show up. Why? Because they have no fear for him in their life in their church in their community because God moves in atmospheres miracle signs and wonders and we still believe that as a church I said we still believe that as a church we still believe the Bible is true and we still believe that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever 
He was healing back then. He's still healing today. He was delivering back then. He's still delivering today. He was parting Red Seas back then. He's still parting them today. He was still taking out giants back then. He's still taking them out today. He was still healing mental health back then. He's still healing it today. He's the same God. He's the same God. But if he is, then why doesn't he show up everywhere? Because God shows up in atmospheres. He shows up in atmospheres where people fear him. They respect him. They love him. They honor him. They reverence him. And there's that spirit in the room. There's that heart in the room. That's where God shows up. Not in a casual, flippant place. I'm not talking about the clothes you wear. I'm talking about your heart. Because you could wear sandals and a bathing suit. Please don't at church. But if you feared the Lord, I mean, you're setting an atmosphere for God. You ain't setting an atmosphere for everybody else, but you're setting it for the Lord. He's not looking at your clothes. He's not looking at the way you came in, but he's looking at your heart and your attitude. And I want to tell you as a church family, let me challenge you with this. There's too many churches and there's too many Christians and there's too many people treating God's presence casually, flippantly. And that's why there's no miracles there. There's no healing there. There's no deliverance there. Why? Because everybody's just, it's just church as usual. Just another Sunday. It's just what we do. We're going to sing a few songs. Pastor's going to preach. We're going to go home. Same old, same old. Then that's all you'll get. Instead of saying no, when we're here, we're going to fear the Lord. Because this is a big deal that God shows up in this place. It's a big deal that God is in my life. It's a big deal that God is in my house. It's a big deal that God loves me and is for me. It's a big deal that God wants to heal. It's a big deal that God wants to deliver and set free and miracles to happen. And that God says he wants to be a part of my life, that's a big deal. It's not casual or flippant or like, ah, oh, whatever, man. Just another service. No, when we fear God and reverence God, it sets an atmosphere for God's healing power to, to move. To move. I know this because I've heard stories like this. There's been healing meetings and miracle meetings, some that my dad was a part of. And they were praying, healing for people, and God's anointing and presence was there. And then a bunch of people brought snacks into the service and started eating them. And the anointing and God's presence lifted. Why? There's no respect, no honor. This is not a circus. This is not a show on Broadway. This is not a sporting event. This is the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about respecting and honoring me. I'm talking about respecting and honoring God. No, we should treat it with some reverence, with some holiness, with some respect. You should teach your kids that way. You should tell your family that way. You should come in with a heart that's expectant and excited and ready. Why? Because God's going to move in this place. It's not just another Sunday. And God, I respect you enough and honor you enough to believe that and come in with my heart in the right place. What if we all did that? You know what would happen? God's tangible presence would fill this place so much. Man, think about the miracles, healings, signs and wonders that would happen.
God moves in atmospheres where the fear of the Lord is. There's miracles. Let me give you one more verse and we'll close. In Acts 2, 41 through 43, it was the early church meeting together. And it says, Acts 2, verse 41 and 43. Therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized. And they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instructions and the fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayers. Notice this, verse 43. And a sense of all reverential fear came upon every soul. Notice what happened next. And many wonders and signs. Some translations say attesting miracles were performed through the apostles, through the special messengers. But notice, it was that whole group of people, that 3,000 people that started the early church. It said, when they got into the fear of the Lord, reverential fear in their services, many wonders and signs were done. Why? Because they set the atmosphere. The atmosphere was right for God's presence to show up and heal. When the whole early church said, God, we, we reverence you. We honor you. We're in awe of you. We respect you. Then God's healing power moved into that place. The fear of the Lord sets the atmosphere for miracle signs and wonders. You with me today? Well, because I think that you're in a good place today, and I think your heart is in the right place today, I want to pray for some people this morning for some miracles, healings, and signs and wonders. Can we stand up today together? Come on, do you believe that this morning? I know my heart's in the right place, but is your heart in the right place? Come on, can we raise our hands for a second? Father, we love you. We thank you. We come into this place. We say it's not about us. It's about you. God, we reverence you. We honor you. We respect you, God. You're an almighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God, you're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. And we love you today, and we thank you today for your presence in this place today. We thank you that you're well-able to heal, and to deliver, and to set free. You're the same God who did it back then, and you can do it today. Father, we thank you as a church family. We posture our hearts and say, God, we have the fear of the Lord today towards you. We want this atmosphere to be in our church where people can be ministered to by your presence. God, we repent for the areas that we have not done this and the times that we have overrode your spirit and grieved your heart. We make those decisions today to turn back to you to turn back to you. We make the commitment to listen to your spirit. We're not going to grieve your spirit. When God, you speak to us, we're going to listen to you. We're going to do what you say because why? You want the best for us. We thank you. Let us walk in the fear of the Lord all the days of our life. All the days of our life.
let us know how to teach our children and our children's children how to fear the Lord. And we thank you for it today. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.